So good morning. Good morning. Um, happy Ash Wednesday. So as we record this, it is Ash Wednesday. We are 40 days from Lent. Um, in, in, in years that have crawled by, yet it's almost 40 days from Easter. That, that blows my mind because um, I feel like A, 2021 just started, and B, that we've been in here for a while. <laughs> so happy Wednesday. Thanks for coming back. Thank you for being here. Um, so Titus, back into two, because we've got most of two to discuss, because last week we only discussed verse one. Chapter two, verse one was all we talked about last week. And so let's do a little recap. We know where we know that Paul is writing this to Titus. We know that Titus is on the island of Crete. We know that Paul is giving him instructions on how to set up the church there and to get everybody kind of corralled and, and make sure that everything's going right. So as, as we get into this, we know that Titus is supposed to be um, choosing elders and finding the leadership of the church. We know that we're supposed to be listening to sound doctrine and finding what we believe and listening to that and growing in our faith. We know that we are supposed to be inching towards maturity in our Christian faith and as believers and what that looks like, right? So um, chapter two gets a little bit, um, a little more specific as to what the laity which the normal people in the church, I shouldn't say normal, I shouldn't say normal, um, gets a little more into what the rest of us are supposed to be doing. Right? So I'm going to read it first. Let's read. Let's go in and read. Okay? This will be chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. I'm just going to go ahead and read 2 through 10 first. Okay? This today, I'm in the ESV Bible. That's the uh, translation today. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that any opponent, any opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Amen. So, several things. First and foremost, as we read these things that we're supposed to, that the older men, older women, younger men, as you read those things and you think about them, they sound a lot like what the attributes of the elders were to be, right? So we're all supposed to be living to this higher standard, correct? Because that's how Jesus lived. And so that is to be our guide. He is the person that we are to be imitating. We are his image bearer. We should act accordingly. Okay, so these are things that we're all supposed to be doing, not just the elders. 
So the question that I came up with was, what do you do once you know what sound doctrine is? Okay, I know about God. I know about Jesus. I know a little bit about the Holy Spirit even. Now what? Now what do I do? So Titus 2 is a call to discipleship, right? And this epistle is written to Titus about believers. It's written about us, about the Christians that were in Crete. So we can't look at this and go, well, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Ah, that was, that was 2,000 plus years ago. I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with how we live our lives now. We don't, this doesn't have anything, I, I can't, this is exactly to us. And the thing that you find when you get in the Word is, they're just as bad as we are. We feel like the wheels have fallen off of things, right? It feels crazy, it feels nutty, but guess what? It's been nutty and crazy, the wheels have fallen off before. And we put the wheels back on and we keep going. Right? These were pagan people. These were people that were in a faith that was new. They didn't know what was going on. They're just trying to do their best. Sometimes, maybe not. But they were trying to find their way and trying to find what they needed to do. Right? Okay. So now that we know what we believe, we've got our sound doctrine taking control under control. We know what we're supposed to do. Now, what do you do with that? This is calling us to discipleship, not only for ourselves, but to everyone else. This passage is essentially asking us to teach other believers. This is what we're supposed to do. You know, and I think that, and, and, You know, God's timing and his plan is so, you just get back, when you step back, you go, oh my gosh. And I was thinking about last night, I have started teaching this fall, well, this past fall semester, I started teaching Bible study with our youth director to high school girls. We teach a group on Sunday nights and we teach a group on Thursday mornings. And I said yes, really before she asked. I felt like I knew it was coming, but I said yes because I thought, you know, I want my kids to be more involved with the youth, and how else to do that but do I model it, and I become involved, and then I make them go with me when I go. When I go to these things, I'll make them go with me, but as I have now, and how that the Lord has worked this out in His timing, that now I would come in and be studying Titus, that we would be talking about Titus. And here is this passage that says, an older woman, I'm not that old. I'm not that old, okay? But older women are to teach the younger women. So now, as I thought about it last night, I was like, oh my gosh, This is not a coincidence. This timing is perfect. Because here it is, and I'm not tooting my own horn because I don't always know what I'm doing. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But here I am 
because the Lord had progressed this, had laid out these steps, and luckily I was obedient enough to follow, that I am doing what Titus says. That blows my mind. It blows my mind. Wow. Wow. So that's what we're all supposed to be doing. We're all supposed to be getting in there and teaching. I wanted to, um, let's, let's, let's go into P Peter, 2 Peter, okay? This is what Second Peter, this is what Peter was saying. <clears throat> His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, listen, look, that through our knowledge of him, well, we know that we've already looked at our sound doctrine. We've already talked about that. So that's how we're, we're being taught, we're being led, we're getting that from wherever we need to get it, from our pastors, from our own reading, from spending time in the Word, from praying, from writing things down, from, for just, we know. We're getting this knowledge from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us, right? Okay, though through... Oh, sorry. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See the wheels have fallen off? Here too. Whoever Peter was talking to, here too. Here too. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if I said that was Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. And what we see here is as we grow and as we rely on the Spirit and what we know, this sound doctrine that we're standing firm in, that anchor, remember last week we talked about having that anchor that's sure and steadfast, that won't let us get too far away before we can be pulled back in or before we can pull ourselves back in. So we have that reference point. Uh, Kay Arthur always refers to it as the plumb line. We know where it hangs so that we have a point of reference to where we can come back to. So when we have this reference of sound doctrine, now we can go forward and help each other. It reminds me of all the, in the in the New Testament. Well, of course, the New Testament, but in the Gospels, when it talks about bearing fruit, right? The seeds, the soil, how the seeds are planted. When your seeds are planted and they take root and they get down in there, what starts to happen? You start to grow. I, you know, when we were in. When you were in nursery school, because I think this has happened forever, um, and I know that my children did it, 
usually about the spring, about now, maybe a little later, your, your child will come home with a Dixie cup, those little Dixie cups that they have pushed some soil into and then pushed a little bean down into, most likely a lima bean. Okay, but they've pushed down in there and they've watered it and they've tended it on their classroom, on the windowsill in their classroom. And what happens? Well, it sprouts. Lo and behold, the bean sprouts. All the beans that my children have done, four times this is worth, <laughs> that it sprouts. Well, by the time, and it does pretty well in the classroom, but by the time it comes home, it may last a little bit in our kitchen but then it outgrows its pot, right? So we were good. We had it going, but we need to transfer it so that it has more room so that the roots can really spread out so it can thrive and it can grow. Because if it gets too crowded, nothing's going to happen. We've lost more lima bean plants. Well, just four, right? <laughs> And however many I made as a child. I guess it's more than four because four children each time, ah, that's a lot. I've lost more than four lima bean plants because I didn't keep it up. Oh, well, we've gotten to this point. Let's just let it, uh, oh gosh, I forgot. We forget to water it. We don't transfer it to a better environment. We don't even move it outside to try. That's what this is like. These seeds that are being planted, that's what this sound doctrine is. That's what our pastors are doing. That's what Bible teachers are doing. That's what your Sunday school teachers are doing. Is We're, we're planting these seeds. And somebody's watering them. And that's the cool thing is somebody might plant them. Somebody else comes along and water them. Somebody else comes and tends it. But they continue to grow if the conditions are right. And how do the conditions stay right? You stay involved. You keep working at it. I don't know any garden that just exists without any work done to it, right? As much as I would like. Now, the bad thing is that I'm a bad gardener. <laughs> I hope I'm better at this seed, these seeds than I am at seeds that would produce food for my family to eat. <laughs> right? We'll be hungry otherwise. So this is what we're working on. We're moving forward because this faith that we have is active. It can't be sit back and just wait. It can't be that way. We have to keep going. We have to keep moving. We can't just sit Next week, we're going to talk about, it might be two weeks, I don't know. Uh, but in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about these works that come. And no, that doesn't mean that you, that you have to have these works because we know that through faith is how you've been saved, not through works, so that no one can boast, right? So we know that we're going to have to have these things going. But how do we, how do we grow this? How do we disciple it, disciple each other? How do we learn in this? Shane um, said, this is why y'all, we take notes. This is why we take notes in our Bibles, except now I don't know where it is. But he, I did write this down. It's, um, Shane said on June 16th of 2019, I love doing that, um, that we need to create the Gospels in relationships. 
to create gospel in relationships. And so what does that mean? Oh, here it is. It was James 3.13. What does 3.13 say? Well, I'm, I've passed it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. We learn by living our life and watching other Christians. We learn and grow by doing these things. And so creating this gospel within our relationships, right? I um, watched this uh, speaker a couple weeks ago. Her name was Hannah she was on the Grove from Passion, and she talked about this story, and it just got me thinking. Number one, it was funny, but it just got me thinking. She said, you know, because it it's the beginning of the year, right, and people, by this point, you've given up on your, on your resolution, probably. <laughs> I never make it very far, but, you know, she was saying, you know, I've decided, or last year or a couple years ago, she decided that she was going to take vitamins. That was going to be what her resolution was going to be. She was going to take these vitamins and she started taking them and, you know, it came in a cute pack. You know, we get those where they're personalized for you and it has your name on it. Good morning, Emily. Mine says glow up. I'm actually have these vitamins. I have this personalized vitamins and I do love them. But here's the thing. She said, I started taking these vitamins and I was in it. And I told everybody, have you taken your vitamins? You need to be taking vitamins. She said, I didn't understand anything about what the vitamins were actually doing. I didn't know exactly what was in this packet that they were sending me. And this is where I got tickled. She said, I was an evangelist for these vitamins. An evangelist for vitamins. Does that not sound ridiculous? It does. And it made me laugh so much. But it made me ask the question, what am I an evangelist for? We see it, you know, it's, it's common to us. We call them influencers, right? Now it's an influencer. Now you're not necessarily an evangelist, you're an influencer, a social media giant, right? Yeah, what are, what are you an evangelist for? It's the same as being an evangelist, right? I mean, is it your, your skincare? Your hair products, the type of diet you do, the type of exercise that you feel is best. What are you influencing? What are you preaching about? We don't have any problem talking about our vitamins, our hair, our makeup, our diet, any of those things. Child care, the brand of clothes you like, the kind of crackers you buy at the store. We don't have any problem talking about that, but we get real uncomfortable when we need to talk about Jesus, right? It's touchy. It can be touchy. Why don't we want to share? Why don't we want to share that? Why don't we want to come alongside other believers? Why don't we want to do that? It's hard. That takes us out of our comfort zone. It's easier to talk about your vitamins. Because you don't, I mean, if, if nobody likes your vitamins, then so what? 
who cares? There's another vitamin out there. Maybe they'll like other vitamins. Maybe they don't need vitamins. Maybe they get all their nutrients and vitamins from their healthy, lean and green diet. Who cares if they don't like your vitamins? Perhaps we get uncomfortable because we do care how somebody feels about our personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. Well, we should. But the thing is, we, we should care so much that we shouldn't be embarrassed, but that we should reach out, that it moves us into action, right? We should be so excited about it that we shouldn't be embarrassed. Y'all remember when, um, uh, what's this, uh, Tom Cruise was on Oprah when he and Katie Holmes were, gosh, was that like, 50 years ago, uh, when t- you, you young people, if anybody young ever watches this, you won't know what I'm talking about. But at one point, Oprah Winfrey was interview- interviewing Tom Cruise, and he was with Katie Holmes, and he got up on the couch and jumped up and down and said, I'm in love. I love her. Woo-hoo-hoo. It's kind of like Buddy the Elf. I'm in love, and I don't care any who knows it. Right? That's a silly Analogy, those are two silly stories. But really, that's how we should be about the Lord. Oh, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Let me tell you what's happened to me. Let me tell you about what I've been praying about. And let me tell you how it's been answered. Or let me tell you how I was upset. And I just know this peace. And I was praying and worried. And this peace that surpasses understanding came in. And yeah, I'm still aware of this problem and I'm still upset about it, yet I know it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know it's going to be all right. Do, Do you have that? Do you know that you're going to be okay? Do you know these promises? We should be sharing our promises. We should be talking about it. We should be coming alongside people. Whether you see, if you're a mama or a daddy for that matter, and you are in the grocery store and you see a mama who has a screaming baby, and you will, if you go to the grocery store, you will see a mama with a screaming baby. You will. Nine times out of ten, she's got a toddler with her that's pulling stuff off the shelves, throwing stuff in the basket. And she's got a a cart. So she's got a screaming baby, a toddler, and a cart. Why don't we go up and help? Well, I'll look weird. Well, maybe, and they may turn you down. But we could come alongside her and say, hey, I've, I've been where you've been. Hold on, it gets better, I promise. And as much as I hate, I hated it when people would say, you will miss this. I do. I miss it. I miss it. I'd rather have a naughty toddler pulling stuff in the cart. (laughs) That's not true. I love my children, but I do miss that. Or what about, what about your UPS guy? Y'all, it's quarantine. Amazon is everywhere. We can get whatever we want. We ordered gluten-free Oreo cookies. Yeah, they exist. I don't know if they're at Publix, but you can get them on Amazon Y'all, I ordered them one night at like 9 o'clock at night. They were on our front door the next morning. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how we got that. 
But what my point is, is we got UPS drivers arriving constantly at our houses these days, right? I've seen the streets on trash pickup day. There are Amazon boxes out there. But what about meeting him at the door saying, hey, y'all are working hard. Hey, thanks. Thanks. I hope you have a great day. At Christmas time, I got into the, I'm sure we saw all of this posted. I got into, I made a basket and set it on my front porch for FedEx, UPS, and the mailman. Y'all, they went through that. I think some of them were just swinging by on their routes and getting a snack. And that's fine because that's what it was there for. But what if we do, but then, then I put it up and I thought, well, Christmas is over. I'm putting my basket up. And I thought, but I should leave it out. I mean, they're still coming. They're still busy. What about that thank you? Right? What about our service members that we see? What about somebody, a friend or somebody that we see sitting there that you know they're having a hard time? And that you could go up and just pat them on the back. You don't have to say anything. You can just say, I see you. I see you. Because that in and of itself is comforting. I see you and I'm sorry. Wish I could help. These teenage girls that I was talking about earlier were doing this book uh, by Annie Downs called Perfectly Unique. And a couple weeks ago, the um, chapter, it was on our shoulders. And Annie is leading the girls with how to um, glorify the Lord with their bodies, with every piece, their hands, their minds, their brains. This is not your brain. Your brain and your mind, your heart, your feet, even your knees. And then the shoulders got in there. And Laura and the girls came up with something that just really is, these girls are so smart. They're so smart. And this chapter on shoulders, I was like, well, I don't feel like we could have chosen something else besides shoulders. I don't, this is one of my favorite chapter. These girls got way more out of it and taught me about the shoulders and how I'm using them for the Lord. Because what Laura and the girls came up with was when you see somebody and they're struggling, when your friend comes to you and they're struggling, don't we always say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm so sorry. That's awful. I'm going I'm to add you to my prayer list. But what if we prayed right then? What if we said, oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, you know what? Let's pray right now. Well, that's super awkward. But some of these girls did it. Y'all, they did it. If they can do it, I can, surely. Surely I can do it. What a picture. But do you see why they did that? Because they have an older person coming alongside of them, teaching them and leading them. See what Titus is talking about? This is what he's saying. This is what Paul is saying. You got to be in there. You got to come. You got to help somebody. The greatest story of this is in Exodus. It is one of my absolute favorite, favorite stories. In Exodus, let me see, what is it? Aaron and her, Exodus 17. And y'all, here's another thing. When I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to Google. I'm not going to, I'm not kidding you. When I opened my Bible, I opened exactly to the page where it was. I didn't have to Google it. 
the Lord, the Lord wanted y'all to know this, okay? Exodus 17 is the best story. It's my favorite story, okay? Exodus 17, starting in verse 8, and, and it just goes through verse 15. I've read to y'all a lot of word today. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not. Okay. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. I don't know if I'm saying these right. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Could be Amalekite. Well, we're not going to get caught there. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, which just FYI, side note, is Jehovah Nisi. That's one of the names of God. The Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So many good things in this story, you guys. So many good things. First of all, we have Aaron and her coming alongside Moses. They came alongside and said, this, this guy needs our help. We got to get in here so we can win this battle. Because when his hands are up holding this staff that Jesus gave him, not Jesus, well, I guess it could have been Jesus, but that the God, that God gave him as soon as we got to keep his hands up. And Moses accepted that help. He accepted the help of his brothers coming alongside to help him. And then not only that, after it was all done and they won the battle, they wrote it down. Moses wrote it down and God said, make sure that Joshua remembers this. Make sure that Joshua remembers what happened here today. And the reason that that's important, I'll get so excited about this. The reason that that's important is because guess what? They weren't quite wiped off the planet yet. Joshua and the Israelites would face them again when they got into the promised land. But because Moses had, was doing what God said, and he wrote it down. Now Joshua knows, oh, wait, we've beaten them before. Remember that cool day, guys? Remember when Moses kept his arms lifted up because they had people come alongside him and we were able to fight because this happened? Oh, we've written it down. And guess what? God says that they're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. So we can go into battle today, knowing that promise that God made when we fought them before, we know we're going to win. How does that change your perspective? Y'all, and then Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Do you know what that means? It means that he goes before us. You know, when, when you watch the movies of, of wars and people, the old ones, I, I, I don't know if this happens now. 
because I feel like we, we, we more hide and have snipers, right? But before, everyone marched in, line upon line upon line upon line. And they looked at each other and fought. And who was at the front? Well, they always had drummers. Hey, here we come. Here we come. We're marching in. Be afraid. And then they had the banners of who they were fighting for. The Lord is our banner. Jehovah Nisi goes before us into battle. He's there. He's coming alongside. Jesus is coming alongside. God is coming alongside. Do not be afraid is what he told Joshua. Be courageous. Be courageous. I'm coming alongside. That's what we're doing. That's what Titus is talking about. We come alongside. The word I, that I kept thinking of, and I really kept thinking of um, the Martins, um, which is a gospel trio. It's my Aunt Judy. Um, Judy and her brother and sister are the Martins. Look them up. They're on all your music sources. They're amazing. You will be blessed. But they have an album called Glorify, no wait, Glorify, Testify, Edify. <laughs> remember it and I did until right this second um anyway but so edification kept coming to me last night so I did a little looking up of words and so it said edification is a great way this is what I said edification is a great word (laughs) sorry and it means the instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually my bible's in the way Oh, I should never say that. My Bible is not in the way. Um, So I found this website. Y'all, there are so many websites on Google. So this Google gave me this website of whatchristianswanttoknow.com. Try that. Um, But this woman named Crystal McDowell, who, who is an author, says, The church is built on the foundation of Christ's love and continues to grow as we build up or edify other people with our words and actions. As followers of Christ, we are mandated by the Spirit of God to enlighten or improve the whole body of Jesus. That's what we're to do to each other, right? So Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words, it gets confusing. This is why you Google, okay? So this is what Vine says, that edification indicates the promotion of spiritual growth and development of character of believers by teaching or by example. This definition captures the meaning rather well. Edification is more than just encouragement. It includes any activity that results in more Christ-likeness. That's what we're doing. That's why when Titus says, hey, they need to be self-controlled, the women need, yes, I know it's longer for us than, than the young men and the old men combined. What he says to the women it is long. It's more detailed. What that means to me is we got a big job. We got a big job. The men have to be self-controlled. Well, guess what? That's hard. That might take all of their energy. And while they're working on being self-controlled, we don't get mommy wine time every single night because that, what kind of, what are we saying about ourselves, ladies? We can make it without mommy wine time at the end of the day, right? (laughs) 
we, we shouldn't need that to make it through our jobs. Okay? But they're like saying, don't do that. You need to be at home keeping up. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't work outside the home. You can. But let me ask you, and there may be some excellent stay-at-home dads out there, Mr. Moms. If Jim Trotter kept up our house, we wouldn't have any clothes. All the dishes would be dirty. I love you, Jim. We compliment each other. And guess what? By keeping a home, y'all, I'm so convicted by this. I was so convicted by this because I did Titus a few years ago. I was so convicted in the keeping the home part because that's how I minister to my family. That's how I show Christ to my husband and to my children because I am willingly doing the things for them. Yes, sometimes I feel like I work for them and that I'm their maid and their assistant and the housekeeper and the cook and whatever else, carpool driver, babysitter, dog walker. Yeah, sometimes I feel upset and mm, I want a day off. I just want to go to a spa, especially after a year of quarantine. <laughs> so, but guess what? This is how I minister. Being the keeper of my home is how I minister. We got to listen to what is being said here. The words in this, the words in the Bible are not to make us, well, yeah, maybe they are. They may maybe convict us a little bit. But even when we're convicted and we feel guilty does not mean that it's not for our good. It's always for our good. Romans says that everything works together for the good of those who love him. It's all going to work for our benefit. So why do we do this? I feel like it's been four hours. Has it? No, only about 39 minutes. Um, so why do we do this? Verse 11. This passage is called the heart of T Titus. Get ready, get your pen out, underline it. Wait, Jay wants to be a stay-at-home dad. Jay should be a stay-at-home dad. Um, so here's what, underline it, mark it, mark it, okay? Titus 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There's nothing wrong with having a side hustle. There's nothing wrong for the hair stuff, the vitamins. Look, I, this gift of salvation that, that, that Jesus brought 
for all people, that ought to make us want to jump up and down and scream it from the rooftops every time we leave our house. It should be every post we make. Every post we make, we could lead with, hey, Jesus brought salvation. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that He loves for me. Loves me. I know He died for me. And I know that He sent a piece of Himself, a piece of His character. I know that He sent the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to indwell within me and to help me make these decisions. I'm not by myself. I ought, to, I ought to share that. That ought to be what I open everything with. But we don't. Listen, guys, uh, yeah, I've, guess what? I've lost 30 pounds. Pat myself on the back. And I, I really am enjoying the skin and hair products that I'm using. This oil is amazing. I am taking some vitamins that I think have really helped. And if you ask me, book binders... Prepared horseradish is the only kind of prepared horseradish you should be using. It's at Publix. But guess what? None of that is important. If you try those things and don't like it, uh, you know, that's your loss, right? It's your loss. But if you don't get that Jesus came and died for you, and that he is your banner. He is Jehovah Nisi going before you, behind you, beside you, with you, every step you make. If you miss that, I'm sorry. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss it. Because when you get that, you get to come along. You get to come alongside. You get to do these things. You get to come alongside your fellow believers and be with them in the midst of their joy, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their everyday lives. You get to do these things. You get, you get to bring glory to the Lord. You get to do these things. One more thing, I promise. I promise. This is it. But John 9 is a story that I love. And I've just recently kind of gotten in it. In it, I think about it all the time. And, and it's, I mean, it's not really a, a story that you think about all the time. Okay? Listen. Um, so this is John 9. And this is about this blind man that Jesus healed. Okay, Jesus healed this blind man. And, you know, word gets around. I mean, here's a man that everybody knew that was blind. And now all of a sudden he's walking around. He can see. He's going. Okay. So the Pharisees and the priests have him come in and they're like, who, who did this? Who caused you to be able to see? And he was like, I don't know. I couldn't see him. <laughs> this is what he says. I'm going to just give you this verse. It's in John chapter 9, verse 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. 
the man answered, just skipping down to verse 30. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the man, the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This man told the story. He led everything with what he did. He was like, I don't know what you guys are all upset about, but guess what? I mean, they even brought his parents in and they said, was this your son? Yes, that's our son. Was he blind from birth? Yes, he was blind from birth. Can he see now? He says he can. We don't know how it happened. We didn't see it. We didn't meet the person that did it. They were afraid. But this man looks at them and says, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who he was. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. Tell your story. Tell what Jesus is doing. Tell that he came with salvation for all. Tell it. Don't be afraid. We have to be brave. Now more than ever, we have to be out there telling the goodness of Jesus. My friends, I'll see you next week. We um, probably are going to talk about this grace a little bit more. And chapter 3 gets into more about uh, good works. It's what we need to be doing, okay? Thank you so much. See you next time. Hi, guys.